Hello everyone and welcome to Two Goals. I am Katya. And I'm Maria Laura. And we want to start this episode by mentioning two very important events that have taken place on the last couple of weeks. First, Olympic Lyonnais won their seventh Champions League trophy, fifth one in a row, historic moment. The second event has as protagonist the Brazilian Federation. The CBF announced the equal payment to their national team players. Brazil enters in the group of the federations who stand for equal pay. Norway, New Zealand, Finland, Australia, Fiji, England, and now Brazil. Seven federations, 188 to go. And as we're talking about Brazil, in today's episode, we're staying in South America. Born in Venezuela with a football passion, always looked to Argentina as the dreamland of football. A native communicator, you may listen to her voice as a commentator during live games on television in South America. She's also a digital content creator and digital marketing specialist with her project Mundo Pelota. We're happy to introduce you, Geraldine Carrasquero. Geraldine, welcome to Two Goals. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to this program. I want to congratulate you girls because of this project. And I'm so, so thrilled uh, to be here today with you both. Thank you very much, Geraldine. And actually, since I'm the one, the South American one from this podcast uh, with Katia, I've been thinking that Venezuela is not the first country coming to our minds when talking about South American football. But actually, if you go deeper into research, you will find out that Venezuelan women's national team under 19s won the last South American Cup. And the under 20s, they are classified to the last round of the South American qualifiers to gain one of the two places to attend the World Cup. Geraldine, this seems to be a crucial moment for the development of future talent in Venezuelan women's football. Tell us, how do you compare this to your personal experience as an aspiring footballer? Well, in general, in Venezuela, uh, have been uh, an important developing of football uh, interest since the beginning of this millennial, but especially in women's football from the 2010 or 2010 with the gold medal obtained in the Central American and Caribbean Games, the national women's football team in Venezuela have been experiencing a growth in every, every ways, in every sense. In this decade, uh, just to mention some uh, achievement, Venezuela have been participating in two under 17 World Cups, and they have been in the semi-final these two times in 2014 and in 2016 with a golden generation led by Dana Castellanos. Uh, I'm sure you know about her because now she's playing for Atletico Madrid in Liga Iberdrola in Spain. So in the under 20 category, Venezuela have as well achieved some trophies or medals, for example, in the South American Championship in 2015, Venezuela 
got the silver medal. So they went to the 2016 World Cup as well. So all the path or all these signals tell, tell us about an exponential growth in Venezuelan football regarding women's football. Last year, the Federation in Venezuela took the decision to hire Pamela Conti as the manager of the national team, I mean the adult national team. And Pamela Conti was a former player for the Italian national team. Pamela Conti had a great experience playing for clubs in Spain, Sweden, Russia, United States. She played for this or several of these clubs for Women's Champions League. I mean, she is a person with a plenty of, of experience that actually can lead Venezuela to uh, its first women uh, World, World Cup, talking about the, the adult uh, women national team. So what can I say about my experience uh, relating with, with this uh, 10 years ago? it was uh, impossible to imagine this in Venezuela. There is talent, there is passion, but we were always lacking of a structure and we were always lacking uh, of professionalism in football, especially in women's football. So nowadays, I, I think Venezuela is going through the right way to do so. Geraldine, regarding to football itself, uh, we all know football is a communications game inside and outside of the pitch. And you have these two sides. Uh, you were a player and you have a bachelor in communication. Do you reckon that communicating was a natural path for you? Do you relate your career to your background as an athlete? Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Uh, I'm a sport journalist because my passion, because my infinite love for sports. Since I was a little kid, since I was, I don't know, five, six or seven years old. I'm a sporty girl since I, I remember. I love every kind of sports, especially football, of course, but... I can enjoy watching a basketball game, a tennis game, baseball game as well. Uh, but football is my everlasting love. So uh, at the beginning, I, I didn't imagine to become a journalist all because of this passion. I didn't think about this passion as a profession. And <laughs> I, I, I was... Um, Yeah, I was uh, good uh, at math, at chemistry, at physical in school. So teachers always told me to study, I don't know, engineering or some career like that. And I chose <laughs> engineering at first, but then suddenly I realized I wasn't pursuing my real dream that was become and sport journalist because my passion for football is bigger than any other thing in this world, at, at least uh, for me. Mm -hmm. uh, then 
I play some sports. I play volleyball at school. I play tennis from I was uh, 11 to 15. Then I played uh, indoor football. And then I finally got to football as we know it. But I think I arrived late because I was 17 on that time, even though I could play for three or four years as a semi-professional level, uh, I knew at that time that I wasn't going to be able to live only uh, from football, you know? Because football in Venezuela at that time, uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, wasn't, uh, I don't know how to say, wasn't a real, a realistic way to to earn your life okay mm -hmm. so then so then as i couldn't to be successful as a player then i moved to the media then i moved to the microphones to the camera to the action and now i'm living this passion uh, through this way so yes i think i've been like chosen to do to do this but i have not always been aware of this okay inside in the bottom of my heart yes i did but then it took me a long way to recognize it well actually actually it's quite interesting what you mentioned because first of all uh we completely understand what you're saying about not having a realistic possibility of living just by playing football this is the yeah. the kind of thing that we keep discussing with all of our guests because i mean and this is an experience everywhere and this is the same in england the same in the us it has been a struggle for women everywhere because they they don't have full contracts they don't have complete salaries so they always uh, need the backup plan to try and and survive you know it's all it's also just a uh, a way of of having something to eat no to take something to your family uh but Moving into this passion, what you what you just mentioned about becoming a, a commentator, you start in Venezuelan football, the football division. You start in the first Venezuelan football division for Gold TV, and we want to know want you to tell us about the environment. Were you the first female commentator at the moment? There were many of you. Maybe they were commenting other sports, how was it? And what kind of tasks did you perform while you were commentating for Gold TV? Yeah, there were mm, many women in, in a sport journalist, but some of them uh, working as an anchor or some of them uh, working as a field reporter in a football broadcasting or football transmission. I don't know how to say that <laughs> in a football game by, by television or, or radio. So uh, I've been given this amazing opportunity to, to be working as a color commentator. And that was uh, amazing for me because that was something I was looking for. I was always looking for to be there uh, where the football uh, was analyzed, where you have to put your criteria, your knowledge, to explain football to other people. And of course, every job related with football, that's gonna be something that I will enjoy, but uh, to be working as a color commentator in a, in a, in a football, in a football match by uh, the national TV was a, a dream come true for me. 
as I said before, yeah, there were many women, and of course, some of, of them have uh, inspired me in some way. Uh, I have so many role models working in ESPN as well, but in the in the North Signals, as uh, Carolina Guillén, Carolina Padrón, Carolina de las Salas, uh, Adriana Monsalve. Uh, these are amazing women from Venezuela that came before me and they built a successful path in this media. But I think, I don't know if I was the first, but I was for sure one of the first to be working as a color commentator uh, next to the play-by-play -play commentator in this kind of, of broadcasting uh, jobs. Um, for me, it was a demanding and challenging experience and I took that mission with all the responsibility and all the compromise that it is needed to, to accomplish this task. And you mentioned uh, women in, in journalism and we are used to see more women, uh, in this case in communications and journalism, than in football clubs. But in your case, in between January 2016 and July 2017, you worked as a media and communications manager for Zulia FC, exactly the club you played for. Can you describe to us what were your daily tasks and which differences did you see between the treatment of women's and men's teams inside the club and outside of it? To be working as a, as a communication manager for Zulia FC was an amazing experience because of you were saying I play for, for them in 2008 to 2010 more or less. I, I could experience that semi-professional level because as I said before football for women in Venezuela at that time didn't have the, the opportunities, the economical opportunities, the salaries, the uh, assiduous or I mean a consistent project. So then I, I, I came back to the club to work as the communication manager. And when I got there, the women's side, the women team, wasn't participating in the Super League because the Super League uh, was created in 2017. I was still there. And since that moment, at the beginning of 2017, I managed myself to convince the president club, the manager club, to adapt our department for that demanding experience. For example, I, I told my, my manager or to my boss that we needed to have a person that exclusively uh, were in charge of the women team. So I could do so. I hired uh, a person, uh, her name is Daniela Palencia, that started working with this girl, traveling with, uh, with the women team for all over the country, doing the coverage. My idea uh, was that the women team had the same opportunity to be put out, to be exposed to the audience, 
Okay. Uh, and at that time, we had an incredible player. Her name is Michelle Romero. Now she's playing for Deportivo Abanca or Deportivo La Coruña in Primera Iberdrola. And Michelle Romero was playing for Zulia because she's from Zulia. And she uh, was one of the club symbol at that time. Um, we wanted to expose her or to give her uh, known to, to all kind of audience, okay? So we wanted to, to make uh, a full coverage about these girls, about these women, teen, trying to live in uh, expansion as well as the men's side. Uh, as well as the as the main team, you know, uh, I think <laughs> the only thing I regret nowadays is that uh, the time I, I I was there, I couldn't uh, achieve that we could do some radio broadcasting for the women's game mm -hmm. as we did for men's. That is that is amazing, Geraldine. I mean, what you're saying is that kind of spirit that we keep finding in women's football. The, the thing is, since there aren't enough resources to invest in the women's game, we have found these solutions, what you're mentioning, the first people to try and bet on, let's say, finding a particular person working only for the women's game because you are aware there is some product there, there is an audience to capture, there is something else to try and and self, which isn't available in the men's game. So, I mean, I, I can understand what you're saying about feeling that there was more to do, but we really want to congratulate you on that. I mean, what you just mentioned, you, you, you were in a way someone with a perspective and a perspective of how to exploit the product of what women's football is. So we really want to congratulate you on that. That's, that's really good what you're saying. And besides that, you are still struggling, you were still struggling of what you wanted to do. I mean, you were there in Venezuela, you kind of had the success there to work for the sports, for the passion that you wanted, but it wasn't enough for you. And you were telling us a story before we start recording, because we like to have fun with our guests. This is the idea of this podcast. We, we, <laughs> we like to to ask them questions of, on their personal lives before. And you were saying that you moved to Argentina uh, to try and find another horizons, maybe to, to grow in your career. And there you were able to, to become a presenter of the Youth Olympic Games in Buenos Aires. First of all, can you tell us a bit about this transition from Venezuela to Argentina? And second, maybe tell us the difference about living the Olympic dream, the Olympic spirit, and working for football? Well, uh, uh, going overseas, going abroad, is always difficult <laughs> for, for every person. Speaking about it with every person I know is always, always hard. You need to adapt to a new culture, to a new way of living, to even to a new way of, of, of eating, uh, to a new way of, of work as well. So I, I, I was very lucky that in only a few months, I got this opportunity to, 
to work as a presenter in the Youth Olympic Games in Buenos Aires uh, 2018. I was working for sports not as traditional as football, but traditional in Argentina indeed, like rugby sevens, for example. And I was able to experience uh, football matches as well, football indoor matches. And the Olympic spirit in, in, in this kind of, of event is huge. It's like the, the essence of sports itself. I mean, Olympic Games is like having all sports <laughs> in just one event. And football is part of this environment as well, of course. Of course, but uh, this environment, this uh, Olympic spirit reminds me or reminded me at that time that I was in the, in the right path of being a sport journalist. And that experience made me um, develop myself as a professional and as a human being as well, because it reminded me of the effort the passion, the overcoming that a person needs to be through to fulfill extreme. And sports is a reflect of the life, or is a life reflect. The Olympic experience is one of the best you can have in your life. Now you, you said uh, that the, the passion, you have to have the passion to fulfill your dream. And for sure, your dream as a communicator is also fulfilled with your personal project. Uh, you are the CEO and content editor of Mundo Pelota, a multimedia project which proposes is generating content about sports events. Can you describe to us what is your role there and the main objectives of the project? Well, Mundo Pelota was born <laughs> in 2013. Uh, we started in 2013 as my thesis in the university. So I created a media, a cyber media or cyber media that uh, allows me to project my vision of sports or my own point of view. And Mundo Pelota have then experienced some transformation. I have always been linked by or with Mundo Pelota, because while I was uh, developing myself as a sport journalist, I had this Mundo Pelota project to express my own point of view. So Mundo Pelota at the beginning was uh, a web page and then transformed to a radio show, radio show. And then I started with the Instagram and Twitter account, Facebook account. Then last year I created my channel in YouTube. So Mundo Pelota for me is like a son, it's my project and it's gonna be with me uh, or alongside me uh, through all my career. So I try to put there all my knowledge about multimedia projects, about uh, marketing, about sport journalists as well. So to be like more direct about it, uh, Mundo Pelota is, is like uh, the possibility to express myself in every way, in every right. possible way. 
Right, I, I think you, you need that, right? As a commentator, because you're always uh, working towards others project and you need your own project, right? Yes, you need always land in your own project because project goes uh, uh, or comes and go, uh, opportunities comes and go. Uh, in this world of communication is always everything changing, you know? So Mundo Pelota has always to be there for me. Uh, and for people that want to know my my vision or my point of view in any kind of subject in sports. Amazing, amazing, Geraldine. Thank you for sharing this. And since January 2020, you are the color commentator for Comable on their Facebook Watch broadcasting platform. Tell us about this experience. Tell us how much you have learned about uh, women's football, about the game itself through this role. And do you think that maybe these kind of platforms, since you're mentioning these changes of projects in, in communications, do you think these new platforms like Facebook will be taking place, the place of traditional broadcasting in the near future? Let's say radio, for example? Yes, uh, Facebook Watch has a, a big opportunity, a big chance to become the new traditional broadcasting uh, to do so because it offers people a bidirectional relationship. So you give people power to connect with uh, the game, to connect with the uh, commentator, the play-by-play -play commentator, the color commentator, or maybe the, the show host uh, in that case. Uh, and Facebook Watch maybe has arrived to stay for many, many years, not only in the Conmebol Libertadores in men's competition, but it could be a way to, to offer the possibility of watching women's football in South America as well. I think uh, Facebook Watch is, is an amazing tool to give people that sense of belonging. You're a commentator in the broadcasting matches and usually when, when we watch them, we tend to judge or support the commentators. It depends how the game goes. Um, sometimes <laughs> sometimes we, don't, we don't even realize how much work is behind the preparation of each game. And you know for sure how is it. Um, can you describe to us how is the process you use to prepare a game and we know you have to prepare tactically, technically, and even develop some trivia for engagement. How is it? Yes, of course, preparing, preparing a game is like an art for me. Uh, it's something that I enjoy. enjoy. Maybe it's the thing that I enjoy the most. I usually uh, invest two hours uh, or three hours uh, for preparing a game. It may be... Uh, take me it may take me more than two hours for each club involved in this game because you need to be unbiased you need to be impartial you need to be or to have the same amount of information of every club involved or every club related to to the game so you need to prepare the, the, the tactical system to be aware of the of the style of playing, to be aware of the 
latest news about those teams. Uh, you need to be aware about the stories that are related with the players. You need to be aware uh, of the shape, of form of the players. Uh, you need to be aware of so many things uh, because you, you need to bring this to the audience because that, that is the kind of thought uh, that is the kind of stuff that audience wants to hear about. Uh, of course, you can have or, or you can stay in the simple things, but for me, the important thing is to go deeper in every detail and to uh, undiscover some interesting story, stories about, about the game and about the players, the, about the, the main actors. Uh, you know, so uh, preparing preparing a, a game is not only about knowing the game. It's not only about knowing how to play football. Or it's not only about how to describe a play. Or it's not only about to give uh, an analyze. Uh, you know, is surround all this stuff with good data chart data and to be as accurate as you can amazing answer for the ones who don't know please just listen to this because sometimes it is easier to uh, criticize and uh, sometimes we don't think uh, the work that is behind the, um, the the comments and for sure is a lot of work and uh, uh, Geraldine here in this podcast and in general uh, we use, of course, we use different names to distinguish the gender, genders in the game, but we know and, and we defend that football doesn't have gender. Do you think it's more difficult to prepare for a women's football match, especially in this uh, era where the information of the women's game is still hard to find compared with the men's game? Yes, of course, it's more difficult to prepare for a women's football match. But in this, at the same time, for me, for example, to be to be working as the color commentator uh, for the women's Champions League in ESPN uh, was a challenging experience because because of that, because uh, there wasn't enough information. So I always like to investigate. So I'm, I'm kind of nerd, uh, kind of nerd person. So uh, for me, it was like, wow, the possibility to, to learn, to learn more and more facts about the women's game. Uh, because in a men's football match, everybody knows how Lionel Messi plays, how Cristiano Ronaldo plays, uh, where they come from and all that stuff. The statistics, uh, I don't know, so many histories related to this kind of pleasure. But you know that people doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't get enough uh, information about Pernil Harder, about Ada Hegerberg, about Lucy Bronze, Wendy Renard, or about Wolfsburg, about Olympique Lyonnais. So it was the perfect opportunity for me to expose that athletes or those athletes that have been working, that have been struggling so hard 
not only to be recognized, but uh, to be taken as a great footballer. So uh, my main objective was to present the players, not only explain how she plays, but all that uh, rough stuff uh, they have been they have experience to get where they are today. Uh, now talking about preparing for a women's football match, you need to be uh, more careful because you need to check the data out. You need to um, recollect or gather the information and then it's difficult to, to verify this information, but that is the the difficult in this in this kind of, of project and going back uh, to the other questions uh, for example being a woman as a color commentator of course you need to be more uh, much more prepared to demonstrate that you are capable of do that job so you need to work more you need to uh, work uh, double to to be taken seriously, to people can give you some credit. And that is something that I'm aware of, but I never think myself uh, as a woman in journalist. I think myself as a capable journalist. And there is no barrier, there is no wall that can stop you from doing what you love. Well, Geraldine, I mean, with those words, we are actually coming to the end of this episode, unfortunately. But I, I cannot let you go be, to, before saying this to you. I actually, I was amazed by the way you commentate this final between Olympic Lyon and Wolfsburg. I mean, I don't want to sound kind of like, I don't want to, to make some trouble uh, about this, but you kind of like outshined your partner, your, the other journalist, your colleague. I mean, he did an amazing job, but for me, it was the first time that I actually felt the, the voice of the, of the female commentator was actually heard, that you were able to conduct the whole, the whole structure of the, of the show. And I was, I was used to watching the games through the UEFA TV online, but, but it was, this was my first time, I, I must be honest. And I really tell Katia, I, I told Katia, like, we really need to talk to, to Geraldine. I mean, this is for me huge in South America to see someone, uh, because you were, you were able to talk both about men's football and women's football and compare them professionally. You were talking tactically, you were talking about the differences, but also the similitudes. And that's where what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build a project where we can talk freely about both products in a way, because this is the same sport as Katia mentioned. It is, football has no gender, but we really need to try and speak a lot more about women's football with the women's part. Like uh, we really need to take this as an as something important to mention this difference because we need to try and develop this part we need to make this as the the product that we want to develop the audience that we want to tackle the talent that we need to develop from the start uh, the differences physically but also mentally all these details these are the difference that we need to to address but not in a negative 
form, not into not taking this as a as an hunter asset, but as a benefit to try and, and build this around. So I I was amused really. I, I really loved the way you, you talk, the way you you entertain. And it was your birthday that, that day, so you have a, a lot of anecdotes <laughs> around <Yeah>. that, <laughs> that date in particular. So we just want you to to comment maybe about the game. We 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 talk enough here about the professional development of women, but I would love for you to tell us just a, like a personal anecdote about this game, and maybe if you want to share with us your thoughts about what happened between. Leon and, and Wolfsburg from your perspective? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm very thankful uh, because of your words <laughs> about my, my, my work. My colleague, Diego Canepa, is a great play-by-play -play, uh, commentator. Uh, he was very enthusiastic about working in, in, in a women's match. And he left me to present all these stories, to offer all this data to the audience without any problem. And he and I uh, have a great synergy. And so that was a key factor to entertain the way we did to, to the audience in, in Latin America. Um, about the, the final, it was a terrific final. Uh, the level was so high, the, the rhythm of the game was so intense. There were some spectacular individual performance, but at the end, Olympic uh, Lyonnais showed why <laughs> they are the, the best uh, at the moment, because they invest or they have been investing in women's football since 2004 and they offer the best salary for the player. They offer the best opportunity to the players to grow. So we need more Jean-Michel Olos in this world. We need more managers like him in this world. We need more Olympique Lyonnais in this world. And we need to, to explain all that kind of stuff you were saying. It's not about comparing women's and men's matches no it's totally different um starting from from the point that women's weren't allowed to play football uh, i don't know 30 years ago yeah. so <laughs> the development is uh, or have been of course naturally uh, slower but i mean women's are nowadays in the right way to uh, accomplish or to reach uh, their potential in this game. I'm very passionate about this subject, about this kind of debate, but in a good manner, in a good way. We need to understand women's game as a women's game and understand all this complex process that have accompanied th this sport as we know it so i don't know uh, an anecdote <laughs> maybe I, I i told you the one about how diego and i prepared the game and how he let me uh, show all these girls potential to the audience 
No, sir, certainly I, as a spectator, I was able to notice that. And actually, first of all, if Diego is, is listening to us, uh, I mean, you were great. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that, <laughs> as that in that way, but yeah, no, no. Um, we will be lucky to have you in a podcast, in our podcast in the future, but just, it's just that it's not every day that we're able to see this. I, I have complained about this before. I, I don't like seeing like female journalists only commentating about the, the looks of the players, the, I don't know, only reporting on the small facts, not into the content. I mean, of course, they are also professionals and they need to do that. But that's the kind, kind of the structures that we are really trying to tackle. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone can talk, can talk about everything, but we are, we are used to seeing female talking about something and male talking about something. And at the end, we really want to try and change that. But I mean, thank you so much, Geraldine, really for, for attending this invitation and for sharing your story and your experiences. And thank you so much uh, to all of, all of our listeners. Thank you for listening to one more episode. And remember following us on Twitter and Instagram with the name at Two Goals Podcast. Thank you so much and take care.